This podcast may contain themes that are unsuitable for some listeners. Please check the episode description for content warnings. A Court of Thorns and Roses, Chapter 8 I pretended to meander through the exquisite and silent gardens, mentally marking the paths and clever places for hiding if I ever needed them. He'd taken my weapons, and I wasn't stupid enough to hope for an ash tree somewhere on the property with which to make my own. I'm Katie. And I'm Ruth. And welcome to A Court of Thoughts and Proses. So, as you know, every week we do the chapter by a theme, and this week's theme is opportunity. Yes, and it's your turn to tell a story. And what a story I have for you. Basically, I studied computer science at university, and as part of this university experience, you could be a presenter person to the parents. You could like help the parents round during like open days. Did your uni have the same, Katie? I don't really remember. Yes, but yeah, you got like money for it. Yeah, so it was the same thing. Basically, you had to apply to be one of the people to show people around to earn money. And I basically didn't have good enough grades to do that. So I was really bummed because I applied for the job with everybody else. And everybody else basically got the job but me. And I was really sad. But funny story, basically, I did a placement at uni. And while I was sat with one of my friends, Fab, this guy, one of the lecturers, came looking around and was like, oh, you two did placements, didn't you? And both me and my friend were like, yes, yes, we did. And he was like, oh, would it be okay if you presented during the open days on your placement? We'll pay you. And we were like, uh, yes. So basically, <laughs> I ended up getting the job because I was conveniently sat in the right place at the right time. I think that's a good story for opportunity because you can make your own opportunities by working hard, you know, being studious, but you can also make your own opportunities by being at the right place at the right time and just letting fate take, you know, take you around the bend, around the river bend. No, that's Pocahontas. But I mean, it wasn't just fate. You'd chosen to do the placement and you'd done, you know, a hard year of, of being on the placement and being away from university as well. Like You'd put that work in. I just I like that story because I think it goes to show how there's different ways of getting through the same route Mm. and different opportunities can get you to the same place. And just because you feel like one door's closed doesn't mean that means another door's opened. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You think, oh, no, this hasn't happened. Therefore, my life is over. But actually, you're going to get there in a different way. Mm. Mm, I really like that. Well, now it's time for our 30 second recap. So... It's my turn to go first. So, Ruth, will you count me in? I absolutely will. Okay, are you ready? In three, two, one, go. So, Faye was trying to work out a way to get out of the spring court, and she's like, "Mm, how am I going to do it? And she's kind of split between, well, I could try and, like, persuade Lucian and try and work out a way to persuade him and let him tell me another way to break the treaty. Um, Or the other way that she's going to do it is literally just running and, like, she's sort of collecting weapons and food and things like that. Um, And Tamlin's trying to be her friend or, like, trying to date her, and she's not really interested and she's a bit confused by it and she doesn't really want to be friends with him. You'll go. I don't think there's much to add, but I'll give it a go. It's quite a short chapter. Three, two, one, go. So the chapter starts off with Feyre 
basically going out into the garden of the spring court and she hears these voices in her periphery and she's like oh what is this what is these mysterious things that are giggling and she tries to spot them and it's her first encounter with sort of like the fae monstery type people and she turns around and just before she can see them alice calls her in for dinner and she's like oh alice stop it and then she doesn't find out who they are then she goes in and she steals a knife from the dinner table because she's like i'm gonna stab you in your sleep i really want to escape spends the rest of the chapter plotting how to escape and just ignoring tamlin basically fabulous Okay, so where do you want to start with our theme of opportunity? So I would like to start with the literal beginning of this chapter when Feyre spends the time wandering through the gardens and as I mentioned, she meets these two sort of... What are they? Would you call them? Are they fey? Are they? Yeah, so I was wondering about this because I don't know what they are and it never gets... I don't think it ever gets answered what these creatures are that she meets or nearly meets in the garden my only guess was that it's alice's nephews okay because it's like two sort of childlike figures and like they want to play and we find out later that tamlin has actually cast a glamour on Feyre to hide most of the fairies in the in the court from her so that she doesn't get overwhelmed and i and so she can't really see these fairies and so i wondered if if they were like under this glamour that tamlin's put on but she can sort of sense them and i just wondered if they were because we never meet alice's nephews and so i just wondered if they were alice's nephew i love that theory see i thought that they were just some kind of benign fairy monster that wasn't big enough to eat her but was playful but i think you're description makes a lot more sense and i want to think that that's what it is and where do you see opportunity with these with these two little sort of whatever they are little childish fae so really what it called and sort of meant to me was it's the beginning of fae's journey of exploring the fae world and it reminds me of a lot of fae's learning with the fae world comes from opportunity and just bumping into things in the world and learning about them and this is sort of the beginning of her journey of realizing that you know not everything's as it seems mm. she can't t- trust her human senses and i think it's like she has the opportunity to realize that not all fae are evil and it's that beginning of that learning yeah because they're not they're not trying to attack her because her first her first interactions with the Fae are Andras, who looks very menacing because he's in this giant wolf form. Tamlin breaks into her house. Like they're not very <laughs> auspicious ways of meeting fairies. Whereas these are just two figures like giggling in the garden that want to play. And she is afraid. You know, she she's ready to fight, but she doesn't need to because they're not interested in hurting her. I just like that. It's not a moment that you look at or you'd scrutinize really throughout the entire book it's not a very big important moment but that little opportunity that the kids have or whoever they are to like play and mess with Feyre introduces her to the world in the way that it can be a little bit more exciting and not scary not everything's going to eat you most things will (laughs) not everything yeah and that it's it's not as clear-cut as good humans and bad fairies there's there's good and bad for both she over the course over the course of the next few chapters starts to view the fairy world more complexly and to acknowledge that they are that they're people and they're not villains so that was my first point for opportunity what did you see in this chapter regarding opportunity so i saw this conflict in Feyre, as i said in my 30 second recap the conflict between she she's desperately trying to get out of the spring court that is her main focus and she has these two options for how she'll leave she's either going to run 
she's stolen a knife at the dinner table she's looking in the garden for where she can hide and paths to get out she's you know checked the window of her bedroom and she's worked out that she can climb out the window all of these very practical steps for how to get out and then the other way that she's considering the other opportunity is leading by persuasion and she's mostly seeming to be focusing on Lucian which is interesting because of the two I'm not sure if I would say Lucian Lucian was uh more welcoming than Tamlin you know Tamlin keeps accosting her wherever she goes and being like hi um do you want to go for a walk so I'm not sure why she doesn't think he could be persuaded I'm not sure why she thinks that Lucian is is the better bet and you know she says that I'm not good at persuasion I'm not good at you know verbal warfare but that's that's an option that she has you know she's got the practical fighting hunting option and then she's got the persuasion option it's a very strange analysis of the two because I think if you actually logically thought about it obviously from outside her perspective the opportunity Mm. would be with Tamlin to let Tamlin release the reins a little bit and to get to know him and have him feel more relaxed whereas she goes straight to Lucian which I wouldn't necessarily think of it's a very I think it's a missed opportunity to talk Mm. to Tamlin and get to know him Well, let's talk about that because she, so they have dinner, they have dinner with all three of them every evening, um, but during the day, Feyre's free to do whatever she wants. Lucian and Feyre are sort of bickering, or Lucian's being rude and Feyre's trying not to be rude because she's trying to persuade him and sort of, you know, get on his good side. And Tamlin tries to connect with her. And as you say, I think it's a missed opportunity from Feyre's perspective because she doesn't understand why he's trying to connect. And it's even just stupid things. He's like, Feyre likes to hunt. And Feyre instantly goes, I don't like to hunt. I had to hunt because otherwise my family would starve. And Tamlin is sort of throwing this crumb of, of conversational <laughs> tidbit. Like, here's the one fact that I know about her. And she's like, that one fact is false. <laughs> you you don't understand me at all because you think that I like killing animals and I did it to survive. But we we find out, or, you know, Lucian and Tamlin find out that Feyre's uh, mother is dead. And it gives them just a smidgen of connection, I think. It gives them just that tiny little icebreaker. And Tamlin is sincere and he says, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. And Feyre leaves. Feyre leaves the room because she doesn't want to discuss this with someone she barely knows. But I think it just starts to crack the wall a little bit it just starts to let them have conversations based on truth and based on connection rather than you know Tamlin's complete misunderstanding of Feyre, Feyre's complete misunderstanding of the of the fairy world, stupid compliments that we hate like your hair is clean you know it it gives them just that just that smidgen to try and get to know each other. It's interesting you say that because I think that dinner is the big opportunity for Tamlin to get to know Feyre because obviously it's the only time that she has to interact with him. And even though she keeps shutting down conversations with him, um, she's so focused on, you know, trying to steal a knife, trying to work about her way out of here. She's Mm. being polite. Then she slowly starts to say, oh, I'm 19 years old. Oh, my mum's dead. And he slowly gets to know her and think of her as more than a human. So it's a missed opportunity on her half but I think Tamlin still gets at least a little bit of what he needs yeah 
yeah, he starts to get to know her properly. The other thing that I noticed, when Feyre is trying to... She's not quite trying to persuade Lucian yet, but she's trying to persuade Lucian and Tamlin that she's not a threat, that she's, like, accepted that she has to stay in the spring court forever. The things that she says to Lucian are very, you know, polite and calm. And then her mental, what she's what she's actually thinking is, I must stay calm. I must let them think that I'm not a threat. And the words she uses are docile, unthreatening, tame. That's her like mantra for what, how she's trying to appear. She's outwardly projecting like, I'm a domesticated animal. You know, I'm not a threat to you. I'm happy in this house. I'm, I'm not a predator. But she is. Like, I think Feyre, you know, if we're going to use the the wolf analogy that is in the book, Feyre is a wolf. Feyre is a predator. She is a hunter. She is not docile. She is not unthreatening. She is not tamed. And I think that that is Tamlin's missed opportunity, that he doesn't see her for what she is. He He thinks that she wants to be tamed. He thinks that she wants to be, you know, kept in a house. But actually, at her core, you know, she's a fighter. That is amazing, because that absolutely mirrors what goes wrong with both of them. Yeah. And that's the message that she carries out when she's going to get married. And Tamlin thinks, ah, yes, she's happy being here, being tame, not having to do anything. That The classic happy ever, the happy ever after. And yes, she wants a happy ever after, but it's on the wrong terms. It's on... I mean, we'll get into this later with the with the rest of the book, but I think Tamlin Tamlin thinks that Pharaoh wants to be rescued, but in the end, it's her who rescues him, and he instantly forgets that, and he thinks that she, yeah, that she doesn't want to fight for what's right, and that she doesn't want to change the world, and she doesn't want to make things better for other people, that she wants to just be kept in a house forever. Oof, I love that point. Have you got anything else for opportunity? So I actually have where she steals the knife from the dinner table. Mm. So Lucian and Tamlin are just talking and she steals the knife and she feels like they haven't seen. And I just know there is no way that they haven't missed. <laughs> they have but magic she... hearing. <laughs> They've definitely heard her. They know she has stolen this knife from the table. And the reason I think this is relating to opportunity, because it kind of reminds me of parents and children, mm. you know, where kids will be like, don't push that button and then the kids will take any opportunity they have to like go and run and run away from whatever their parents told them to do that's exactly what it reminds me of because Tamlin's like oh I'm just gonna look over here oh what she took a nap what what are you talking about whereas Feyre's mm. like ah they didn't see I got away with it so Feyre thinks she's being all cunning but they absolutely know do you think he's trying to make her feel safer because then she's got a weapon and it gives her the opportunity to leave if she you know he said you can leave it's just you'll be murdered before you like leave my court the the first fairy that finds you will eat you and also you know the food that i'm sending to your family will stop so he's given her a very poisoned opportunity to leave but i think if she did actually try i don't know if he would let her she certainly wouldn't get far with like a butter knife but you know she's trying well, that's what I don't like about the whole scenario. While it feels like an opportunity to favour it's not because Tamlin is pulling the strings and kind of creating that opportunity almost. So it's a bit fake. And it's that same thing that if Tamlin let her leave, he wouldn't probably let her leave very far and then would rescue her and bring her back. So it's that sort of uncomfortable, false sense of freedom kind of yeah. situation. 
the final thing that I had for opportunity was Feyre talks about she's made her mother this promise this oath that she will look after her family and so that is her guiding light she needs to get back to them and she talks about this dream that she has to have her sisters married off and she's got enough money and enough food you know to live with her dad she doesn't want to get married she wants her sisters out of the house she wants to live with her dad and to have enough food and time to paint and she calls it a wild small dream and that's all she wants and she says you know enough time to paint or to learn what I wanted I just want I want her to have that opportunity to know what she wants and I think she gets that in the spring court you know the the burden that's placed on her to look after her family is taken away from her she doesn't have to hunt she's got enough food to eat and it does give her the time and the headspace to learn what she wants and what she wants is to be able to paint she adores painting and we're gonna we're gonna see her do that in a few chapters but I I just wish that Feyre had had the opportunity to have freedom and to have choice without all this manipulation going on and without this you know convoluted plan and being trapped up in fate and all the rest of it I wish she just had that opportunity herself rather than being restricted by the curse and restricted by poverty I love that and I think that is probably the only opportunity that she gets out yeah. of this whole ex- well it's not the only opportunity to get she gets the I- opportunity to fall in love I suppose and you know it does start off her entire journey and it gives her the opportunity to carry on with everything that's what Tamlin gives her the opportunity to basically have a new life but the yeah. only opportunity that he specifically brings as a benefit I feel like is the ability for her to just chill yeah do you see any opportunities that are like the ones in your story you know like manipulated opportunities versus chance or like fate so this is my main thing with this chapter is I feel like most of the opportunities Vera is used to creating and bringing herself are the ones where she's planning so you know she's eyeing up escape exits she's stealing knives she's trying to persuade Lucian to like her so she can escape yeah whereas Tamlin's opportunity was one of fate how Pharaoh was the one who ended up shooting the wolf and he, she was the one who got brought here and everything's kind of new and obviously he's trying to manipulate her and he is succeeding at that but he doesn't really have a plan whereas Pharaoh's feels a lot more planned out yeah he, he there's no way he could have predicted who would who would manage to kill a fairy and and be brought back to the spring court so he's he's sort of and he has so little information about her so he's trying to fall in love with her he's trying to orchestrate a love story and he knows he doesn't even know her age he knows that she likes to hunt and even that's wrong <laughs> really strange because Feyre obviously a lot of her opportunities she is creating are through eyeing things up and like it's all that survival and I've got a plan and an escape exit. But actually the real opportunities that she gets given aren't the ones that she can plan for. It's the going under the mountain. Yeah. Basically saving everybody. Meeting Reese. That's completely yeah. unplanned. So I think it kind of illustrates the way the world works. How you can be like, oh yes, I'm going to do this career and I'm going to end up doing this. And I'm going to work really hard. And then it could be like, no surprise, you're a baker now. <laughs> uh, well i know all about that my current career choice is sort of going up in flames at the moment and i'm being like but 
but there was a plan. What's happened to the plan? Let alone coronavirus, just <laughs> just throwing that out the window. So coronavirus is your tablet? Yeah, sure. It's forcing you to stay in your house. It is. It's That's your true. Tablet. That's true. It's definitely forcing me to stay in my house. Shall we move on to our spiritual practice? Yes, please. What's our spiritual practice? Our spiritual practice is Lectio Divina, where we read through a randomly picked sentence and read it through four levels of sort of analysis. So the sentence is, not that I plan to escape, but it was good to know at least how I might do so should I ever be desperate enough to risk it. Ooh. So the first step is, what is the literal meaning of this sentence? This comes at the start of the chapter, doesn't it? When Feyre is eyeing up her exits. Yes, yeah. So at this point in the chapter, Feyre has sort of begun to accept her fate and decided, nah, that's actually not what I want. So she just decides to just take a cheeky look, see what's going on in the castle, maybe start to formulate a plan of how she can escape, and she's just looking around. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't have a definite plan, but she's working out her options. Cool. So the next step is, does this have any allegorical meanings to us? Does this remind us of any other stories? Not that I plan to escape, but it was good to know at least how I might do so should I ever be desperate enough to risk it. Does that remind you of any stories? You're the one that's read all the fairy tales. It's reminding me of Rapunzel, especially because she's talking about like climbing out a window. It's reminding me of Rapunzel and like, could she not have cut off her hair and then like just made that into a rope and then gone out the tower? There, there is a way for her to get out, but she chooses not to. Feyred does the same. There is a way for her to get out, but it has consequences. And the consequences are the outside world is very dangerous, which is you know, true in most Rapunzel versions as well. She's never seen the outside world, so it's very frightening to her. So yeah, it's just reminding me of like, our choices and when when we're desperate enough to risk it and when we stay safe i feel like that links back to the theme of opportunity quite nicely yeah does it remind you of any stories Um. not that i plan to escape but it was good to know at least how i might do so should i ever be desperate enough to risk it not any stories in particular that i can think of or like other pieces of art the thing that it's making me think of is <laughs> uh, risk it for a chocolate biscuit that's um, exactly what popped into my head too yeah Thank God. which is obviously you know high high art form but it counts as, as a piece of media <laughs> just make me think of chocolate biscuits and tea and i really want a digestive right now <laughs> okay so the next step is what does this remind us of in our own lives now this one i can do easy peasy okay <laughs> so as i mentioned every blooming week i have anxiety and one of the methods, if I have a panic attack, is I need to like figure out where, if I do have a panic attack, where the toilet is or where I can go or how I could run away mm. if my anxiety ever gets too much. And kind of formulating that escape plan makes me feel more at ease or planning several options if something goes wrong. Mm. And that's exactly what it reminds me of. Even if you don't use them, having the plan. Right there is one of my coping strategies. Yeah. What about you? So I'm living with my parents at the moment. And I love them very dearly and they've actually been wonderful to live with. I've been very lucky and we've we've got a lot of space. So, you know, I've not been crammed back into my childhood bedroom or anything like that. But recently I have really been getting that urge to escape, 
to get my own place to get out to you know I don't drive so I'm quite limited so yeah it's reminding me of like that urge to just be somewhere else that you get periodically especially like you know you haven't been on holiday for ages or which you know we haven't because covid and so you're like oh god i want to be at the beach i want to be anywhere but in my house so the last step of actio divina is what does this sentence call us to do in our own lives could you please repeat the sentence not that i plan to escape but it was good to know at least how i might do so should i ever be desperate enough to risk it see to me because we've been talking about opportunity it reminds me that you do not have one path set in life so sort of like Pharaoh is planning for different things that she could do to think about all the different options and the way life could go and not set myself onto one single track mind of this is how life is going to be well that really calls me to yeah to play with my options and to try and apply for more jobs you know that I a lot of jobs that I apply for in the museum sector are <laughs> a lot of jobs that are available are part-time and they're not actually enough money to live on or not enough money for me to move out so to try and find things that I can actually apply that would give me enough money for rent and at the same time it's calling me to try and settle into well I'm living at home and this is the reality at the moment and try and be a bit more okay with that rather than having this constant you know god I want to get out of here and have a plan for how to get out but also try and be okay with being here for the moment because it's really not bad I've got my cats I've got a garden it could be much worse but just try and try and let both of those realities be true at the same time see this reminds me of a tarot card one of the cards that I'm thinking of the tarot card is the ace of pentacles and the upright so the meaning for that is like opportunity prosperity new venture and then the reverse meaning of it basically means the opposite so lost opportunity mischance and the fact that when you're doing a tarot reading something as simple as turning a card upside down can decide whether something's a good opportunity or a bad opportunity yeah you you have to look at something a slightly different way and then what you well like your story what you thought was a missed opportunity actually was fine lovely well thank you for doing Lectio Divina with me who would you like to bless this week no offense but this is not a very eventful chapter to be honest no they just really have a chat don't they have you got a particular person you're feeling like blessing? I'm struggling. I'd like to bless these little creatures that Pharaoh meets in the garden. I'm not sure if they are actually Alice's nephews because that's you know that's not in the text. But I would like to bless these these fairies that she meets because they just want to play. And the impression that we get is that they are that they are young and they just want to play with her. But they kind of freak her out and. I want to bless them for being like, oh, a new person, let's play, let's have fun. Even though their actual actions kind of backfire. Because I think at the moment, certainly as I've been socialising with more people, sometimes I try and do something and socialise and then I'm like, oh, I got that completely wrong. I got that completely backwards. A, friend's came, a friend came up and I offered them a drink once and then we talked for like two hours and I forgot to offer them anything else. And then they were leaving. And literally as they drove off, I was like, I should have asked, I should have asked them if they wanted to drink again. What? I'm a terrible hostess. So <laughs> I want to bless us all as we move into social interactions again in person. Be kind to yourself. And it's okay if you're a bit awkward and you get your social wires cross and accidentally do things that you don't mean to do. <laughs> oh, that's a nice story. I like that one. <laughs> Who would you like to bless? 
I would like to bless Lucian because in this chapter it feels like Tamlin's inauthentic in his interactions with Feyre, whereas Lucian is authentic, even though he's expressing he's not being nice to Feyre, but at least she knows where she stands with him and they're probably more able, well we'll see in the next chapters, that they're able to bring and generate a more authentic relationship quicker because Lucian is kind of, you know, doesn't hide anything and is at his emotional level that he needs to be with Feyre. Yeah, he tells it like he is. Like it is. He's like, I don't like you. I wish you weren't here. <laughs> and she's like, okay, we agree. I also wish I wasn't here. <laughs> this is a blessing for people who are honest to themselves and honest to those around them because otherwise we wouldn't be able to generate authentic relationships. Thank you for listening to A Court of Thoughts and Proses. Please subscribe and leave a review if you've enjoyed this episode. This episode was produced by both of us and edited by me. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Akatap Podcast, A-C-O-T-A-P. Thank you to the Harry Potter and the Sacred Text Podcast, as always, for letting us steal their structure. Bye, everyone! So it sort of reminds me of a lot of Faye's learning and interaction with the Faye world. Faye's learning. Faye's learning. Oh my god, Faye, Faye. <laughs>